Hi everyone, welcome to my podcast where we talk all things that are most dear to the heart. I'm Bobby Houston, co-senior pastor of Hillsong Church and founder of the Color Sisterhood. I'm passionate about seeing all people find Jesus as Saviour and gain a revelation of their value in Him and then rise up to make a stand for justice in the earth. This is a place that you'll hear from me, the Color Sisterhood team and some of our beloved friends. To find out more and stay up to date, please visit bobbyhouston.com and connect with me on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. Amen. My absolute honour and pleasure to um, bring the Word of God to you. And I think for the last 23 years, I've chosen to open the conference, not because I'm so clever or I need to hear the sound of my own voice. I do it because we're here crafting a mandate and a message and a directive and seeking to, to frame the next three days. Amen? So Father, we thank You for Your Word. We welcome it into our hearts. Holy Spirit, help us to receive. Help us to be like sponges. Amen? Amen. Lean over, give the girl beside you a little kiss on the cheek. <laughs> and that is amazing. Amen. There's nothing like a first night, is there? Nothing like a first night. Hey, listen, guys, if you have some needs in your life, we wanna pray with you, okay? So out in the foyers, these cards are there. If you have a need, please write it down. And um, on the last night, we're gonna pray together. Is that okay? Amen. There's lots of miracles been happening in the last. Who's seen some miracle working things happen in your life in the last 12 months? Yeah? God is a good God, isn't He? A beautiful God. Amen. All right, the opener, did you love it? It was beautiful, it was different. Every year you come here, it's a different experience. And do you know, there's so many beautiful creative elements across the conference that tell a story and are part of it. But you know, that opener and again, the beautiful girl who was singing, this is, her name is Smokey. <laughs> of course her name is Smokey. I mean, she's gorgeous. And you know, that moment when she was singing in the very front end, and I wanna tell you something about that. Um, you know, you would have heard her singing, I hope you did. It wasn't something that we orchestrated. It was a moment, our team went out and we shot all these beautiful images, which by the grace of God will help tell a story and captivate our hearts. But she was literally just sitting in a quiet corner in one of the beautiful old churches that they were um, around. And she was just singing and worshiping the Lord on her own. And it was so spectacular. One of the team went, oh my goodness, listen to her. And so I love her, she's beautiful. But in that opener tonight, if you recall, it was beautiful and it pretty much echoed the narrative that was in your invitation actually um, that I gave to you last year. And in that um, invitation, I asked a question. I presented a question, do you remember? Do you remember? It's actually gonna go on the screen. Do you remember the days the lights went on? It was in the opener, right? Do you remember that? But we're asking this broader question of our hearts and our lives. Do you remember the day the lights went on? Do you remember the moment you were awakened and felt the weight lift and soften? Do you remember that? Do you remember, um, do you remember the mystery and the questions fading as truth drew near and you found yourself within the truth? Do you remember that? And you know, I wanna present another question tonight. And I wanna say, how many of you in this room know that God is always doing something new? I mean, truly, how many of you in this room know that God is always doing something new? This conference, the language is 
be found in the new. He is always doing something new. If we stop and think about it for one moment, if we perhaps think about the expansiveness of existence, everybody say, the expansiveness of existence. Yeah, if we just stop and think about that for one second, in the expansiveness of existence, God created a new universe. The heavens and the stars that you and I know, we were singing a little bit of that tonight when we were singing a thousand billion stars. And you know, they say of the universe that, you know, the, whoever they are, the powers to be, say that there is perhaps not one universe, but multiplied universes. Multi-universes, not universe, but multi-universes. Well, I don't know about that. All I know is that God has positioned us in a, in a universe, and according to the Word of God, He created that universe, a new universe for you and I. If we, if we think about the creative space within that, again, the, the creative wonder within that expansive space, God created mankind. He created a new humanity sons and daughters of whom we are a part of that. Amazing. If you like think about again, the, um, you know, the covenant between um, creator and created. If you think about that covenant, somewhere in that covenant, the relationship went sour. So what did God do? Not settle for sour, but rather He created a new covenant and a new plan to restore what was lost. We're talking about the salvation story. The Old Testament, if you're new in the place and you don't know, you've never been into a, a gathering like this where the faith exists, you might be thinking, what is the Old Testament? Well, I'm talking about the Bible. And in the Bible, there is the Old Testament and there is the New Testament. Well, the Old Testament bears witness to the New Testament, right? The old bears witness to the new, but the new also bears witness to the old not to necessarily the old ways and the old laws and the old, the old parameters that God put our around our lives to protect us, talking about ancient humanity here. But we're talking about an incredible God. We're talking about an Old Testament where His promises remain. Amen? Amen. An Old Testament that bears witness to the New Testament, a New Testament that, turn around, that turns around and bears witness to those promises that actually still remain in our life. And you know, somewhere in this beautiful Bible, somewhere in this incredible Word of God, this Word promises a new heaven and a new earth. It promises a new heaven and a new earth. And if we go to the back, and many of you are familiar with this, if we go to the very back into the last book of Revelation, we see this incredible revelation vision given to the beloved Apostle John when he was in exile. And it says in chapter 21, John, seeing this vision, he declared literally these words, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, a new holy city descending out of heaven, arrayed like a bride adorned for her husband. Spectacular. So girls, this year as I open conference, this year we are camping around, obviously, we're camping around the wonder of salvation that God is always on the creative path of our lives, that God is always on a creative path of wanting to do something in our lives. This weekend, I prophesy over you, I declare over you, we sing and we declare over you that God is wanting to do something new in your life. 
Have an open heart to it. Don't think, oh, well, here they go again, just like pumping us up. No, God is wanting to do something new. We are on the crest of a new and a great awakening, a greater awakening on the earth. And so we're gonna camp, camp around the wonder of salvation. And we're gonna camp around the reality that indeed salvation is no small thing. So yet again, this invitation that I gave to you last year continues and it says salvation is no small thing. Say that with me. Salvation is no small thing. It's where the past and all that is broken and lost is replaced with all that is new and wondrous. It's the beginning of life eternal, where promise eternal and favour eternal points us in the direction of heaven. It's where the colours begin and Eden is restored in Jesus' Name, amen? Do you believe it? Do you believe that God is always doing something new? New beginnings, new colours, new wonder, new favour. God is always doing something new. New beginnings, why would I say that? As I lay foundation here, why would I say that? New beginnings, because you know what? Again, the first line in this book, in the beginning, it says, in the beginning. And then by verse two, we discover that we also are worshipping a God who can actually hover over any chaos, any mess, and turn it into something new and beautiful. And we should take heart knowing that to be true. You might be thinking, my life is a mess. You have no idea, Bobby. No, I actually don't, but the Spirit of God does. And He looks at you perhaps in your chaos, in your loneliness, whatever it might be. You might be fine, but He looks at you if you're not. And He goes, you know what? I actually can make something beautiful out of this, if you but allow me. So obviously new beginnings are beautiful, new, literally new wonder. This is some of the language I put on your invitation, be found in the new. Amen, hallelujah. The wonders, the colour, the favour. So how about wonder, new wonder? Do you believe that? Do you believe that we're actually entering days where the brightness and the glory and the wonder of God is just gonna become so spectacular that we don't know what to do with it? And I say that because God is wonderful. <laughs> he is a wonderful God. He is full of wonder. If your Christianity is a bit boring, if you have a perception of God and it's, it's, it's tainted because of religious ways or religion, I wanna tell you, He is a wonderful God. In Isaiah chapter nine, it declares His name. So it says He is, he is wonderful counsellor. He is a wonderful counsellor. He is mighty God. He is everlasting Father. He is Prince of Peace. And again, there are girls in the room in this conference and you need a wonderful counsellor. You need a wonderful counsellor and He is that wonderful counsellor if you will but allow Him to come alongside you and whisper wisdom and counsel into your ear. Some of you in this room need to know that there's a mighty God who is prevailing and for you. He is a God who vindicates you. He is the God who vindicates, so relax into the, to the presence of a mighty God. How about everlasting Father? I dare say some of you in the room also need to know a greater revelation of everlasting Father. I saw one of our great friends post something on Instagram yesterday, I think, or the day before, and it simply said, religion says I've stuffed up and my dad is gonna kill me. Christianity says, I've stuffed up, I need to talk to my dad. And that is the heavenly Father that we have, everlasting Father and of course, Prince of Peace. 
I say, you know, new, new beginnings, new wonder. What about new colours? New colours. New colours, the colours of God. Can we even begin to give expression to what sometimes our, our eyes begin to perceive and worship, but the colours of God and the magnificence of God. And why would I say new colours? Because literally the manifold goodness of God, the manifold goodness of God is a wash with colour and with, with depth and with mystery. It is endless, layer upon layer upon layer. And those who had visions of heaven and those who saw John in Revelation, he couldn't give expression to the colour and the magnificence and he tried to describe it using earthly stones. But amazing. And you know, that word manifold, I say it every year because it's foundational to this vision and this mandate when it talks about the manifold glory of God entering the world. The word manifold literally means, in the Strong's Bible Dictionary, it means the many tints and hues and colourful expressions of God, His goodness entering the human arena. You know, sometimes we have to stir up our imagination, our eyes to see, our faith, our imagination. Start to think about, you know, I was just thinking, gosh, the glory of God, heaven on earth. I think about music, and I'm not musical. (laughs) Which is why you never want me to get up here and sing into the microphone. But anyway, you know, they say of music, and I asked my son to give this to me. I said, Joel, tell me, I've heard you say this. And it said of music that there are 12 notes of limitation, but within those 12 notes of limitation is infinite possibility and wonder. I mean, what is that? That has to be God. And the sound of worship and the song resonating up out of the body of Christ into the atmosphere, into the heavens, joining the angels of God, hallelujah. It's a, it's a miraculous God thing. They, they say of colour, they say of colour, the colours in the world. They say that the human eye has the capacity to detect 10 million colours. Your eye, just turn to the girl beside you and go a little bit cross-eyed and say, sweetheart, your eye has the capacity to detect 12 million colours. And girls, look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me. <laughs> That's a blast from the past, isn't it? Everyone say that, look at me, look at me. Who was that, Sharon? I can't remember. Anyway, haven't got time for this. Girls, 10 million, that's this side of eternity. So who knows what it's like on the other side, amen? I love this. And then of course, new favour, always new favour. And I say that because favour is attached to grace and grace is a person and his name is Jesus. And all through the scripture, you see these two married together, grace and favour, grace and favour, grace and favour. And when we encounter the person of Christ, beautiful Jesus, who is grace, then you know what? Our lives open up. And then the words, and to quote my beautiful granddaughter, Willow May, when she was about three years of age, I've told you this before, and I said to her as she was colouring, I'm like, Willow May, do you love Jesus? And straight back at me without looking up, she said, oh, he's a whole new world. He's a whole new world, three years of age. You remember that? She's now eight. And I'm, I'm telling you, this world is full of favour. There is new favour to be had. You might be feeling very favoured right now and very spoiled, and we should be. We are spoiled to be here today. 
We are spoilt to be in this beautiful environment. But you know what? There's layers and layers more in God, amen? So from our end, revival is in the air. From our end, revival is in the air. And I don't know what's been happening in your world in the past 12 months, but you know, in our house, and we can only give expression from our house, there is revival in the air. There has been an unlocking, or a release. I think revival has always been in the house, but there's just something new. It's just, there's just, I can't express it, gals. It's just, it's like revival is in the air. It's amazing. Okay, it sounded demonized then, but it's like, it's like, oh, revival is in the air. And God is peeling back our hearts and He's peeling back the atmosphere. And so again, I'm saying, oh, that to say that we're really excited together with you this weekend to see what God is going to do. And our guests are going to bring what is on their lives and their heart. They're going to they're light up the room and they're going to share from the anointing upon their lives and I trust them in that. But we, we, from our table, from our table, we want to um, turn our eyes towards salvation. And we wanna remind ourselves of the gift of reconciliation that is found within this gift of salvation. And we wanna do that in order that grace is not without purpose in our lives. Do you believe it? So again, it's group participation today. Turn to the girl beside you and say, I am extremely excited to be gathering with you this weekend. (laughs) Hallelujah. All right. Thank you, Jesus. Help me. Hallelujah. (laughs) Praise the Lord. You gotta give me first night to get warmed up, guys. Amen. All right, I'm calling this message, obviously, I'm calling it, be found in the new daughter Zion. Be found in the new daughter Zion. And actually, it's kind of the third message that I've ever done, kind of in that genre of language. Uh, for last year's conference, leading into it, I gather we gather all our girls, at, our Hillsong girls around the world, and I spoke a message into their lives called um, "On Your Feet, Daughter Zion." And then coming into this year, so last, just coming into this year, we gathered them all again last November. We have these big end of year Sisterhood United um, gatherings around the world, and I spoke another message into their hearts, like um, "Come out of the shadows, Daughter Zion." And so tonight, this message is in that genre. And uh, you know, you might, again, you might be here and not familiar with this word Zion. What does that, what the heck does that mean? Anyway, you know, daughter Zion, what is that? But you know, Zion, quickly, Zion is language indicative of the kingdom of God and the house of God and the city of God. Historically and geographically, it was the city of God and Jerusalem and Israel. But you know what, it's way more than that because God's message is wider and broader. It went from His beginning family to the Gentiles, to the world. And so you know what, it's Zion and in many ways is the habitation of God in our hearts. And so I'm talking to that place within your heart and you know, if you read the front end of Isaiah and the explanation to the book of Isaiah, which is so prophetic of these latter times, you know, it will talk about Zion being a place where absolute peace and justice prevail. And I love that idea that within the body of Christ and that within our human heart, there is a place where absolute peace and justice prevail. And when that happens, it leaks out of our lives, correct? It leaks, that's where revival comes. Revival doesn't fall out of the sky. 
Revival rises up within us and it spills out and it affects everyone. So my verses tonight are from 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Allow me to read them. Verse 17 says, therefore, everyone say therefore. <laughs> therefore, if any person is engrafted in Christ the Messiah, he is a new creation. He is a new creature altogether. The old, the previous moral and spiritual condition has passed away. Behold, the fresh and the new has come. Pause with me here. Behold, the fresh and the new has come. Many of you will know and love these verses in Corinthians. You'll remember them from when you first made a decision because probably your new Christian counsellor told you to read them and you were like, they're saying, do you realise that you're a new creation in Christ? Do you remember that, anyone? Absolutely. And so these are beautiful verses. And then verse 18 continues, and I'm reading now from the Passion Translation. But there's, there's three powerful ands, A-N-D, A-N-D, A-N-D. Yeah, there's three powerful ands at the front end and I want you to listen to them. So here we have God saying, behold, behold, the old has passed away. Behold, the fresh and the new has come. Then verse 18, and, first and, and God has made all things new. Statement, God has made all things new on the earth. God has made all things new, second and, and reconciled us to Himself. Statement, powerful. He has made all things new and He has reconciled us to Himself. Third and, everyone say and. And look, He has given us the ministry of reconciling others to God. He has given us the ministry of reconciling others to God. Verse 19. In other words, it was through the anointed one that God was shepherding the world, not even keeping records of their transgressions. Can we just pause for one minute here? Because I, I was meditating this and I'm like, really, Lord? I, I'm not sure that I've seen this. Not even keeping records of their transgressions. Sometimes we have this image of God with this huge list of all our wrongs, all our failings, all our stuff-ups. And here the, the Scripture is saying, no, 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 He was shepherding the world, not even keeping a list. Perhaps the only, the only defining factor, perhaps the only label is lost. Perhaps that's the only label that God looks on the earth and He sees those who are lost and those who are found. The sin factor, Scripture says here, He was not rolling up a big list of all our transgressions to beat us over the head and to punish us. The bottom line problem is we were lost. We're all sinners and we were lost. And then it goes on and it says, and He has entrusted us, He has entrusted to us the ministry of opening the door of reconciliation to God. Verse 20, therefore we are ambassadors, say it, ambassadors, of the anointed one who carry the message of Christ to the world as though God were pleading, as though God were tenderly pleading with them directly through our lips. And then in the, um, in the next chapter, the context in the Amplified, it talks about us, the context is, is us labouring together as God's fellow workers with Him. Then in this, in this, let me just read it again. It goes, labouring together as God's fellow workers with Him, then we beg of you not to receive the grace of God in vain. Do not receive it to no purpose. Why? 
because now is the day of salvation. And if that was scripted and written several thousand years ago, it's even closer today. Now is the day of salvation. And so in entering this colour, girls, I had to ask myself that question. I'm like, what does it take to be found in the new? I mean, seriously, being found in the new, what does it take to be found in the new? What does it take to be found in the new and fresh of God? What does it take to live in the new and fresh of God? What does it take to prosper and to flourish in the new and the fresh of God? And to be honest, my darlings, there's probably many answers. But what I felt the Spirit of God say and remind me was that actually to be found in that, we need to wrestle with some things. We need to wrestle with some things. So I'm gonna give you three things, again, as we open conference, three things that we need to wrestle with in order to be found in the new. Going forward, amen? So number one, it's kind of obvious, but nevertheless, number one, to be found in the new, we have to wrestle with the truth. You have to wrestle with the truth. Do you know we all wrestle with the truth? We all wrestle with the truth. Somewhere, either in our past or in our current present, we have wrestled with it or we are wrestling now. And uh, there are so many moments when we do wrestle. So for example, I think we would all agree, for those of you who have had this experience, and if you haven't, just bear with me. But you know, that moment of salvation in our lives, that moment of salvation is a wrestle with the truth. Jesus said that He was the way, the truth, and the life. So when truth, He said He was the way, the truth, and the life. So when the truth in the person of Jesus Christ knocks on the door of our heart, which is what He does, we either wrestle to open the door or to allow it to remain closed. Is that not true? Do any of you remember your moment of salvation? My memory is starting to fade these days, but I clearly remember my moment of salvation. I clearly remember. And you know what, I remember it because there was both a battle and a wrestle. Because in that moment of truth, when Christ was being offered to me as Lord and Saviour, a lifeline was being extended to me as a 15-year-old, I remember a battle going on in my mind. It was like there was this presence, this darkness, something darker was saying, this is a load of rubbish, this is a load of rubbish. And yet there was this other presence that I couldn't define because I had no language or understanding to define it. But nevertheless, there was this good presence just drawing me, drawing me in contrast to that. Well, that was the battle between light and darkness in my life. But you know what, there was a wrestle for me I had to wrestle to lean into the truth. I had to wrestle to make a decision and lean in and not that way. So in all of our lives, our moment of salvation, some of you are gonna experience a moment of salvation this weekend. Don't freak out, it's beautiful, but you are. And there's gonna be both a battle and a wrestle within the equation. You know, think about life, think about moments of repentance. Moments of repentance are a wrestle with the truth. When God begins to, to, um, to, to nudge us and to pull us and to prompt us to choose between that which is right and that which is wrong. 
I remember my first ever, some of you have heard my stories before, but that's my story, that's my testimony, people. But I remember my first wrestle with the entire idea of repentance. And I remember walking down Birdwood Avenue in New Zealand, literally, as a 14-year-old. And I remember walking down the road and being so angry with myself and hating myself and going, oh God, Jesus, I'm so sorry that I keep doing this. I'm so sorry that I keep stuffing up. I'm so sorry. And it's like I felt the Spirit. I don't even remember what it was, but I hated that I kept mucking up. Even as someone who was born again and knew, it's like there's this process of now growing into your reality and growing into your truth, right? And I just felt the Spirit of God say, well, why don't you just repent? As I'm walking down the street and I feel the Spirit of God say, just repent, why don't you repent? Why don't you repent, Bobby? And I went, good idea. Turn around and don't do that again. That was my revelation of repentance. So these are wrestles in our lives. I think every time, those moments when we, when we pray and we ask God to search our hearts, Oh God, search my heart and see if there's any wicked way in me. You know, we've all prayed, search my heart, oh God. Hallelujah. And then he does. <laughs> and we're like, what the heck? You know, Psalm, Psalm 139. And you're like, oh, 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 praise the Lord. As I stand under a wreath of wisteria, search my heart, oh God, and see if there's any wicked way in me. And he's like, okay, well, how about, you know, how about that little attitude? That kind of sucks. Not that God would say that, but you know. You know, and you're like, oh, you know, and then, and it's like, oh, how about that tone? Maybe that tone that you're using, sweetheart, search my heart, oh God. Maybe that tone that you're using with your family or whomever is, is a little unbecoming. Or how about when he taps you on the shoulder, news flash, and he goes, hey, oi. I don't think God would say oi, but he could. Um, oi. Everyone say oi. Oi, oi, oi. <laughs> Where did that come from? Nowhere. Okay, it was my other evil self. But he taps you on the shoulder and he's like, hey, oi, <laughs> has it dawned on you that you might be the problem in the relationship? And you're like, oh, who, me? That can't be possible. I'm awesome. Amen. Do you know, I think we are living in a world wrestling with truth. We really are. Christine alluded to that tonight when she encouraged us in our giving. We are, we are living in a world that is wrestling with truth and possibly more so than at any other time in history by simple reason of internet. And I'll tell you why. It simply means, simply, simply said it just means words travel fast today. Words travel fast, whether they are words of life and truth or they are words of the lie. I mean, really. And you know, we, we're all aware of internet bullying. We're all aware of how destructive words from the pit of hell can be in a person's life and how alarming the damage can be. And it's simply because we're just, we just live in this world. I mean, there was a time in history where if you wanted to write a hate letter to somebody on the other side of the world, you had to write it and then post it and it went on a ship for six months. And then hopefully by the time the ship got there, the person had, by the grace of God, moved a dress. <laughs> but today, words of hate and words that are destructive and words that I believe are just hatched in hell are not taking six months to travel, they're taking like six nanoseconds. 
And I think we also are living in a world where familiar spirits, I haven't even thought about familiar spirits for a long time, but it's like familiar spirits just gather and they gang up and they're so destructive. So we are living in this crazy, crazy world. I believe that words bathed in truth will always build and words bathed in the lie will always destroy. And I wanna remind us, because we're here to be strengthened, we're here to grow in stature, we're here to be God's girls, men and women, amen, of stature in these coming days so we can stand strong in the day. But can I remind us that if the Lord prophesied, that He, he prophesied that He would pour out His Spirit in the latter days, you know, Acts chapter two, that if He said He would pour out His Spirit in the latter days, then trust me, the devil is pouring out His Spirit as well. And he is pouring out his deception and his lies um, really in unprecedented ways because he has fast access to do that. The world is so interconnected now. And you know what? He is pouring it out with a contempt for truth. A contempt for truth. And George Orwell, who was a political commentator in the 50s and 60s, he said, the further a society, the further a society drifts from the truth, the more it will hate those who speak it. And that's very true. I don't know what context he wrote that, but nevertheless, they are words that ring true. So these days are interesting. And again, one of the prayers that we put into your invitation last year was that we would be found in words that are trustworthy, and true, trustworthy and true. And why do I say that? Because words that are trustworthy and true will not lead you astray. We need to be women who are found in His Word. Amen. You know, three things, I mean, obviously I can't begin to elaborate this and I don't even know if I have the capacity, but if there were three things that I know to be true of truth, they are on the screen. Truth will never condemn you. Truth will wait for you and truth is faithful to draw you home. Truth will never condemn you. Now listen, it may convict you, but it will never condemn you. Jesus is truth. And when we come to Him, when we come face to face with Him, He doesn't condemn, He draws you closer. Amen? He draws you closer. And again, I think the only thing that will ever condemn us, even when that day of accountability comes and we'll all stand before the Creator, do you know what? He, they won't. They, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, I don't believe that they will condemn us. Our sin will condemn us or our lostness will condemn us, but not them. Their heart will be broken, as will all of us as we stand and watch some who are turned away. And so these are not small things. Salvation is no small thing. It's, it's poignant and it's critical. And I believe the Spirit of God wants us to understand the magnitude and the gravity of it in our lives. You know, on that note, truth. Truth is not your enemy. If you're sitting here tonight and you're, you're like, what the heck? Truth is not your enemy. Truth is your friend. I wrote up here that truth will wait for you, it will wait for you. God is patient, He is kind, He is long-suffering, He tarries. But listen to me, don't leave your run too late because Scripture also teaches a parable, the kingdom of heaven is like, and it tells a parable of the 10 virgins who were waiting for the bridegroom and five were ready and five were not. And the bridegroom came and the five who were not ready, they had not trimmed their wicks 
They had no fire burning in their life and they missed out, they were distracted. And the bridegroom, the Christ, the bridegroom came and went in and the doors closed behind them and they were left out in the cold. And again, that is not the heart of God. It's, 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 it's beautiful, fair warning to us to pay attention to our lives, amen? And so I just wanna say, girlfriend, if you're struggling or wrestling with stuff like this, then just honestly, don't be found, for example, on the wrong side of that parable simply because you could not get your head around the freedom that is found in Christ. Amen? Hallelujah. And then, of course, truth is faithful to draw you home. Faithful. So, sweetheart, one more time, if I may. If you're wrestling with truth, wrestle away. Wrestle away and then get over it (laughs) and move on because God has a plan and a purpose for you, hey? And you're never gonna enter into all the new that He has for you while you are still on the mat. Amen? John chapter eight, verse 31 says, and so Jesus said to the Jews who had believed Him, again, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. Verse 32, and you will know the truth, and the truth will what? Set you free. You'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Amen? Second thing I wanna say tonight, opening the conference, second thing is that to be found in the new, you have to wrestle with the past. To be found in the new, you have to wrestle with the past. Hallelujah. Three things I know to be true of the past. Three things. All right, here they go. Three things I know to be true of the past. (laughs) Praise the Lord. We all have one. We all have a past, and for some it's more traumatic and paralyzing than for others. What I know of the past is that if you don't put your past to bed, it will haunt you into every new day. And what I know of the past is that the further you live and move on from your past, the easier it is to forget that others have a past that is still looming over their shoulders. And these are important things to remember as we consider the days and the influence and the effect that God wants us to have for others. On that first note, we all have a past. We actually do have a past. And it's true, for some it is more traumatic and paralyzing than for others. And so therefore their journey out of their past and beyond their past is gonna take longer. And so I wanna exhort us to be tender-hearted towards one another to be tender-hearted when we are back, when we scatter and we're back in our churches and our plantings and we're doing life with people. I wanna encourage us to be tender-hearted towards those who take a little longer to find their freedom. Just be patient and gracious, amen? And again, if you are one of these people that I'm talking about, you're struggling to get through things and to get over things and you've been traumatised by something, I wanna lovingly say to you that you know what, at least make freedom your goal. Because sometimes we wanna stay and wallow and sometimes it actually feels safer. It's It's almost like a comfort blanket to stay within our brokenness. But at least have the courage to go, you know what? I wanna be free. I'm gonna make freedom my goal and then work to that. And of course, it takes courage and it takes boldness. And if I'm talking to you, darling girl, or boy, (laughs) you know what, you can do it. Have the courage and the faith to do it, amen? Everyone say this with me, this too shall pass. Yeah, it's a beautiful saying, hey? 
My beautiful daughter, Laura, she has this thing called The Secret Garden TV. It's a, it's a, it's a um, kind of a blog kind of thing thing, more than that. And um, she's gonna talk about it a little bit tomorrow. But um, she did an interview with me and it just loaded up just this past week. And we actually talked, she chatted to me about grief, about grief in my life and loss in my life. And um. You know, within it, I said, well, one thing I've learned is that like that beautiful saying says, this too shall pass. And sometimes we have to allow it to pass, amen? And I wanna encourage, I believe the Spirit of God would wanna help you do that. One of the other things I said of, of truth is that, you know what, if you don't put your past to bed, it will haunt you into the, into the new day. Every new morning, it'll be there. And that is such a waste of time and energy. <laughs> don't you think? And then again, this one. The further you live and move on from your past, whoopsie, tripping over here, the easier it is to kind of forget that others have a past that is still looming over their shoulders. And I wanna encourage us to be empathetic. And when we, when we succumb to that, it reduces our empathy and our compassion for others. In other words, let me say it again, we are all sinners saved by grace. We are all dropping our chains the chains that have bound us. And you know what? It's like your chains, by reason of the distance and longevity you have with God, your chains might be you know, further down the road or, or like several years or decades back, but that is no reason for us to lose empathy or kindness towards those whose chains are still falling around their feet. And oftentimes new Christians and new believers, their chains are breaking. Their chains are breaking, their chains are falling and they're falling to the ground. But you know what? They're still tripping up on them. They have to learn to step out of them and move on. And so again, I just want us by the grace of God to be women in the latter days who have a beautiful, soft, Christ-like empathy, amen? I wrote down here that, uh, I think, yeah, well, that's true, isn't it? Humans can be very intolerant of one another. And I think there is an urgency in the hour for kindness. It really is. And this world outside of Christ can be very, very unforgiving. Increasingly so. This world outside of Christ, very unforgiving. And you need to watch television and movies and soap operas, Netflix, series, to know that. Unforgiving, mean, harsh, Judgmental. Pastor Gary Clark, who is our beautiful friend and lead pastor up in the United Kingdom, at a recent gathering we had, I heard him say this. He said, we are living in an age where we have to defend people for having a past. You think about that. You think about the political scene. You think about all the realities of this world. We're living in an age when we're having to defend people for having a past. In other words, the world is now shaming you for a past. There was a day when the world accepted and loved their own, but now they're actually eating each other. And they were, this world is shaming you for a past, whereas the gospel, the gospel allows for a past to be forgiven and then new to begin. And again, I sometimes wonder if that will not be a defining factor um, a defining marker in the lighthouse of God's church in the days to come. So I wanna encourage us, hey? Let's be amongst those who stand on the side of forgiveness and grace. Hey, let's do that. 
And again, to make it personal, if you're here and you're struggling with your past, it's troubling you. No one is condemning you in this room, not least our Saviour. The only one who condemns is the devil. So acknowledge what you're struggling with. Acknowledge it, take it to the cross, lay it down, allow the blood of Christ to wash over it and you, and then turn around and walk away because that is the pathway that Christ has made for us. And there is freedom in in that, amen? And if the devil ever tries to remind you of your past or your failings or shortcomings, if he tries to remind you, you just turn around and you just go, what? What, you're talking to me? Devil, are you talking to me? And you just go, no, no, not happening. My past is forgiven, finito, gone. And you just look at the enemy and you just go, well, you know, I don't know where he is, but you know, you just look at that, that ill truth, you just look at that lie and you say, oh, who are you again? Oh, yeah, sorry. <laughs> You're that devil. Oh, that's right. You're the one with the fractured skull. You just look at the enemy and you go, yeah, you tried to bruise the heel of my saviour, but you know what? He crushed your head. And you just do what that song says. Not today, devil, not today. Isaiah 43, verse 18 says, stop dwelling on the past. Don't even remember these former things. I am doing something brand new, something unheard of. Even now it sprouts and grows and matures. Don't you perceive it? Don't you perceive it? Verse 25, God declares, I, yes, I am the one and only who completely erases your sins, never to be seen again. I will not remember them again. Freely I do this because of who I am. We love you, Jesus. Amen. He's awesome. So again, wrestle if you have to, feel free. Wrestle if you have to, and then walk away with a new name like Jacob of old. Walk away with a new name. And there's a story, there's a story in the Bible of Jacob. I'm talking about the Jacob of old, of ancient days, who was in the succession of ancient blessing, as in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And in a nutshell, Jacob's calling and inheritance was blessing. But like many of us, he was on a journey of understanding that. And Scripture tells, it's found in Genesis, but Scripture tells how Jacob on his journey of discovery, he has, he has this encounter and he literally wrestles one day with an angel who just wasn't an angel, but was actually God himself. Just prior to that little encounter there, by the way, he wrestled with an angel who just happened to be God. Okay, just a few verses up, it says at the front of the chapter that um, Jacob um, encountered an army of angels. As if that happens every day. I mean, these were insane days. It says, and, and Jacob encountered an, an army of angels. It was God's camp. I mean, shut up everyone, that is amazing. I mean, when do we like drive home into our suburban driveway and go, oh, an army of angels? No. So this is an insane story. And then in the middle of that, it says how he wrestled. He wrestled with an angel who just happened to be God himself. And so intense was the wrestle 
Keeping in mind God was not trying to kill him, okay? But so intense was the wrestle between God and Jacob that actually the wrestle continued all through the night and into a new day, a new dawn. And then somewhere in that equation, God, because He is God, went, oh my goodness, I think this is gonna go another round. And so He just like flipped Jacob's hip out of joint just to prove that He was God and Jacob wasn't. And then Scripture, I want you to hear this, verse 27, and then it says, and then the man who was God asked him, what is your name? What is your name? It's like He went, hey, what is your name? They're wrestling, he flips his hip, and then he goes, mate, Jacob, what is your name? And then suddenly, in the Amplified, it says, in shock of realisation, and whispering, he says, my name is Jacob. I am supplanter, I am schemer, I am trickster, I am swindler. It was like there was this moment of truth in his life. Verse 28, and then he, God said, "Mm, your name shall be called no more Jacob, meaning supplanter, but Israel, contender with God, for you have contended and have power with God and with man and have prevailed. Do you know, pause with me here. It wasn't like God was saying, oh, okay, well, you have prevailed and you've won over me. No, he wasn't saying that. He was saying, you have prevailed because you have come to your senses. You have come to your senses of who I am in your life. And then verse 29, then Jacob asked him, God, and said, tell me. He says, tell me, I pray you. I mean, I think at this point, he's, not, he's having a, a, an epiphany. He's having, having an aha moment. <laughs> he's like, tell me, I pray you. What in, in contrast is your name? My name is this, but what in contrast is your name? But he said, he said, why why is it that you ask my name? And then the angel of of the Lord declared a blessing on Jacob there and then. And verse 30, and Jacob called the name of that place Peniel, face of God, saying, for I have seen God face to face and my life is spared and not snatched away. Why did I pull that story? Of all the stories I could pull tonight. Why did I pull that one? Because I think sometimes we mess around with God and we wrestle and we contend and we resist and we withdraw and we go round and round the mountain and we go in circles. And then suddenly there was a moment of truth, a moment of of truth where he says, hey, look at me. God says to us, hey, look at me. Who am I? He literally says that. He says, I am God. And then he looks at us and he says, and who are you? Who are you? Do you realise that you are my child? Do you realise that you carry my name? Why are you wrestling with me? Why are you wrestling with me? And then suddenly in that moment of truth, it's like we're like Jacob, where it says, in shock of realisation, and then whispering because he's like, oh my gosh, we come to our senses. And so you know what, for us to be found in the new and the promise, and that's what God wanted to do was bestow blessing on Jacob. And humanity, so often we have to wrestle with things like this. 
And you know, the truth is, if you know the story, Jacob walked the rest of his life with a limp. And that they tell him, I see in my Bible, that the Jews to this day do not eat the sinew of the hip in, in remembrance of that, to commemorate that. And so he walked with a limp, but he also walked with a new name. And that is the same for you and I. God has a new name for us, a beautiful new, new name. And um, you know what? Our past might be our past, it might be our limp. Your past might be your limp, but it has no bearing on the new name and the newness that God wants to bring into our lives. So I say, love your limp. Love your limp and love your new name, amen? Gonna ask the team to come up with me. Your new name. I don't know, it's a mystery, this new name that God will give us. But in the meantime, we have a new name that is sought after, redeemed, received, saved, destined for wonder, destined for colour, destined for favour, amen? Third thing I wanna say, and I just have a, a thought here, a small thought, but to be found in the new, you have to wrestle to press on. To be found in the new, you have to wrestle to press on and continue. Onwards, upwards, into in Jesus' Name. Very quickly, three things that I know to be true of pressing on. Three things. Here we go. It takes stamina and grip. Grit and grip. <laughs> it takes stamina and grit. Pressing on. It's often a war zone between the flesh and the spirit, truly. And without the Spirit to press on, it all ends here and now. If you and I do not commit to press on, it all ends here and now. No new ground, no experience of the new, no promise of a new heaven and a new earth, no Psalm 84 where I, I adore these verses, no promise of winding up the mountain towards God, you know, taking that final bend and then suddenly Zion, God in full view, none of that if we do not continue to press on. And I might be speaking to one person in the room who was on the edge of giving up, of chucking it in. And for some reason you found yourself here and I'm telling you, I'm asking you, I'm pleading with you by the Spirit of God, do not. Do not chuck it in, do not throw it in, amen? And you know, the devil would love, when it comes to the bride of Christ and the church, he would love to exhaust the bride in the last lap. He would love to exhaust the bride in the last chapter. And that's why we cannot stop hungering and thirsting and pressing on into the wild and the bright and the crazy days that are ahead, amen? So, girlfriends, find your stamina. Amen, find your stamina and find your steel. Find your battle stance, whether that's in the flesh or whether that's, whether that's with the enemy. Find your resolve to press on. And I wanna encourage you, don't second guess God. There's a beautiful lyric in one of our songs, I'm sure we'll sing it across tomorrow or the next day or not. <laughs> but don't second guess God. Don't think that you know the end of the story that you know God better than, you, than He knows Himself. Don't second guess God because Corinthians says to us, eye has not seen, ear has not heard, neither has it entered into the heart of God what God has prepared for those who love Him, amen? And so God is raising a standard in these latter days 
and the girls get to be a part of it, a crucial part of it, and you as an individual within this, you get to be a part of it also. And so I wanna exhort you and leave you with these verses from Isaiah 52, the promise of God. When you do something for me, it's gonna be a little bit weird, but can you just lean down to the girl beside you, more than likely with a friend? I want you just to grab her feet. I want you just to grab her ankle, just grab her feet, touch her foot. Touch her foot for a moment. Yeah, her ankle. (laughs) Praise the Lord. Hashtag awkward. (laughs) Okay, you can stop. Maybe just, maybe just grab her on the leg and just give it a little squeeze. A little affectionate squeeze. All right. Maybe just lean forward and touch the shoulder beside you. All right, listen to me. Listen to me, listen to these verses on the screen. Okay, tactile, we've been tactile. The touch, because I wanna get your attention. This is for you. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of Him who brings good news, who publishes peace, good news of happiness, proclaiming good times, announcing salvation. How beautiful, grab those feet again. I'll grab my own feet, my own feet. I've got it, I've got it. How beautiful, say it with me, how beautiful. Read it with me, how be- okay, one, two, three. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of Him or her who brings good news, who publishes peace, good news of happiness, proclaiming good times, announcing salvation. Listen to me, salvation is no small thing. Listen, Isaiah 59, and God looked and He saw evil looming on the horizon, so much evil and no sign of justice. And He couldn't believe what He saw, not a soul around to correct this awful situation. So He did it Himself. He took on the work of salvation, fueled by His own righteousness. And he dressed in righteousness and he put it on like a suit of armour with salvation on his head like a helmet. And he put on judgment like an overcoat and he threw a cloak of passion across his shoulders. And verse 20 says, and he arrived as Redeemer. He arrived as Redeemer. My Redeemer, your Redeemer, our Redeemer, the Redeemer of this entire world by the grace of God, amen? Do you believe it? Hallelujah, amen. Amen, 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 in Jesus' Name. Father, I pray that that Word will resonate. I pray that there will be an awakening within our spirit in Jesus' Name to who You are and what You're doing on the earth. Father God, thank You for coming for us. Thank You for coming. Thank you for coming, Lord Jesus, in your precious name. Amen. 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 Just want us to be still for one moment. If you're in the room tonight and you have no conviction or awareness that uh, that you have a relationship with God, you know the most important thing that could happen tonight is for girls to come into a saving and redeeming knowledge of this Jesus that I've been speaking of and that we've been singing of. The truth is He loves us as He finds us. He loves us, He receives us, He's, he's there. 
You know, tonight, if you have no peace in your life and you have this yearning and this dissatisfaction and you question the reason for life and you're burdened, this moment is for you. The Spirit of God has lovingly drawn you to a place of decision. You know, salvation in, in essence is that there is a Father, a Son and a Holy Spirit in heaven. We're the creation. A great sin and divide happened that separated us from that love. It's hard to understand, but our God is a righteous God a holy God. There was no way to fix the mistake. There was no way to bridge the gap. The only way was through Christ. And literally He said, Father, I will go, I will take their place. I will bear the weight of the sin and the separation. Oh, holy God, I will go and I will lay down my life and I will purchase them back with my blood. That is the salvation story. But you know, Christ stands and you know, He offers salvation to us, but you need to receive it. It's, it's acknowledgement. It's like, we don't have to understand everything, but we look and we go, God, I never knew, I never knew, Jesus, that You would do this for me. I don't fully understand, but I let my heart lean heavenward and I lean into You. And He offers you salvation and He offers you a rescue line that is redemptive and it will restore you to everything that you were created for. It's called salvation. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. And then this Jesus came and He said, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one can, can, can come back to the Father except through me. And then He says, I am come that you might have life and life in abundance. Tonight, if you wanna come into a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, if you wanna lean into His goodness and His love and His forgiveness, I'm gonna ask you to close your eyes. We're all gonna close our eyes. The multitudes in this room tonight have made that decision. If you know that you've made that decision somewhere in your life, why don't you just raise your hand and let me know. If you know that you've made that decision and you're in a place of security and you understand. You know, if you couldn't raise your hand, maybe this moment is for you. So you know what, why don't you pray it with us? Just close your eyes, it's your private moment. Let's pray this together, hey? Dear Heavenly Father, I come to You in Your Name. Father, I thank You for Your Son, Jesus, that He is the Son of God, the darling of heaven, the perfect one who came for me. Tonight, Lord Jesus, I open my heart to You. You knock on the door of my heart, and I choose to open it. I ask You to come in, to cleanse me, forgive me, and make me that new creation. Thank You, Lord Jesus, for my salvation and for a new beginning. Thank You, Holy Spirit, for drawing me. And thank You, Father, that You never stop loving me and You've always watched over me. And tonight I come to You. In your name, amen. 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 Thank you so much for tuning into this podcast. I hope you have found it encouraging and uplifting and helpful. Don't forget, you can subscribe on iTunes to make sure you get all of the latest episodes as soon as they're released. And if you have time, I'd love to hear from you. Write to me in the review or comments section. I look forward to being with you again next time.